Well, hey, Roger Dale likes to have audience participation in his communion meditation, so I thought maybe I'd have a little bit in my sermon this morning. I want to start our time off together with a pop quiz. If you know it, just shout it out. What is the vision, church? Communities changed by Christ. I ask because I'm curious if you know. And the reason I'm curious if you know is uh, this week I got, a, I got an email. It's uh, from Christian, Christian Standard Magazine, and every year they do a survey, and, and they ask different questions of, of churches all over the country that, that are a restoration movement. And uh, so I got my survey this year, and it was a little more comprehensive than it had been in years past. And so I, I filled it out with great interest, and, um, and I was curious about that because one of the questions was, does your church have a vision? I answered, yes, of course we do. The next question was, does your church know the vision? And I went, well, yeah. And I got to think, well, yeah, I just double check. And so I did, and thank you for making me not liars this morning. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but there were a lot of really interesting questions on this year's survey, and so I want you to participate a little bit with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question, and you tell me how I answered, okay? Uh, did the church grow or decline in the last year? What do you think I answered? Yeah, that's kind of fun, isn't it? How many baptisms did your church have last year? How many think I, what do you think my answer to that question was? 20, 18, 14, anybody on this side? 10, 28, I like whoever said that. The answer was 21. We had 21 baptisms last year. Yeah, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? I want to ask you this question as well, and again, just kind of shout out your answer. The question on the survey was, what was a highlight from your church this past year? What do you think a highlight from Mount Tabor this past year was? Baptisms, absolutely. Getting to see that 21 different times. Absolutely, Bill. What do you think a highlight from last year was? Baby dedication service was a lot of fun, wasn't it? And maybe I was a little biased because I got to be a part of the service, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Holy cow, there were some kids up on the stage. That was fun. What are some other highlights from this past year? The teaching. Yeah, when Luke preached, that was always really good. That was really strong. Thank you for your compliment. Yeah, we've got some really, really strong teachers around here, and I feel blessed to be able to preach here. This has been a fun year. Uh, I thought of a couple. The Hoosiers Help Ministry, getting that started, seeing our whole community work together on that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun for me. VBS was a lot of fun, seeing so many different people work hard together. Uh, seeing people that didn't know each other before VBS uh, get to work hard together on VBS and get to know each other there, and seeing uh, such an incredible week, seeing people like Sam Haley get to teach our kids this uh, during the VBS week, it was just a ton of fun for me. Uh, so those were some of the highlights from my year. There are hundreds more, and we could spend the whole sermon talking about those, but I, I guess I just want to say this. Last year was a really great year at Mount Tabor Christian Church, so will you give yourselves a round of applause for 2017? And as great as 2017 was, as, as much fun as we had working towards seeing our communities changed by Christ, this, I was left with this one resounding feeling as I clicked submit on my survey. I can't wait for 2018.
So what are we going to do this year to see our communities changed by Christ? I can't wait to get started on that with you. Now, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about this year as far as sermons go. Um, this is our, our sermon series for the month, At the Table. And what we're going to look at is, is some of the amazing things that happened in the ministry of Jesus around a table. Because tables are important to Jesus, because tables were important to Jewish culture. Tables were important, and so some of the most important moments uh, in Jesus' ministry happened around a table, and we're going to look at those moments this month, but it's also our theme for the entire year. And our theme for the year is going to differ just a little bit from our theme for the month, because here's what we know. God's table's big. God's table's big. And what our goal is for this year is to pack as many people around His table as possible. We want to pack as many people around God's table as possible. And so that's what our theme is for this year. And also, it's our theme for another reason. Uh, the, the Bible says in several different places about uh, this relationship between uh, the Word of God and feasting. Right? You, you feast on the Word of God. There are times when you are to leave the elementary teachings, which are kind of like pure milk, and then, and then get on to solid food. We want to we wanna feast on the Word of God this year. And we want to invite people to join in on that feast because we live in a world, we live in a community that is absolutely starving for truth. And let's invite them to the feast. So our theme for 2018 is at the table. And with that being said, I, I, want, to, I want to start our year. I want to start our year by asking this question. Have you ever thought more highly of yourself than you ought to? Nobody wants to raise their hand. You either have or you're lying. I don't know. Maybe some of you haven't. I have. I have thought more highly of myself than, than I should have. And there was this one time in college. When I was in Bible college, I preached at a church on the weekends. Winnegan Christian Church. I love those people dearly. And one Sunday at Winnegan Christian Church, by the way, in college, I wasn't very good. I just didn't know I wasn't. So there's that. But this one Sunday I was preaching, and, uh, and it, was just, it was just one of those days where you know I was I was preaching and the the heavens opened up and a holy light shone on me and all of my jokes landed and all of my points hit home and 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 I was just I was I was getting it I was excited and the sermon was just rolling and I felt like I was up there you know it was good it was good and in my excitement we rolled right into the invitation hymn. I gave the invitation. Well, I felt like Billy Graham up there. If anyone needs to accept the Lord. You know, and it was good. I was preaching. And I was so excited about the invitation hymn. And we just rolled right into it. Well, after, after the invitation hymn was finished, I walked down the aisle to go to the back of the door and to, to greet people as they leave church, just like the Bible says you're supposed to. I was thank you for getting that. Okay. Right? And, and so I was walking down the aisle, but I noticed something troubling was happening as I was walking down the aisle. It was just the one aisle. And I usually make eye contact and smile with a couple of people. You guys on this side know this, right? 
Sometimes I punch Justin Borden as I walk past him. But, but uh, as I walked down the aisle, I noticed a troubling thing was happening. People were looking away. And it looked like they were having a hard time containing a smile. And all of a sudden, this guy who was preaching the Word of God, right? I went from feeling like Billy Graham to a mouse. And I'm wondering, what the heck is going on? It happens the whole way down the aisle, about this big by the time I get to the back of the building. And as people are leaving, I'm shaking their hands. And again, they're looking away from me. And this time, it looks like they're trying not to laugh. What in the world is going on? So I, you know, discreetly check and make sure my flies. It was, okay? And uh, so I discreetly check. That's okay. What could it be? And my beautiful wife, my beautiful, loving, kind, gentle, compassionate, caring wife was my fiance at the time. As she walked past me, she patted me on the cheek and she said, uh, You forgot to turn your microphone off for the invitation hymn there, Elvis. And did I mention that I was preaching that day? And that everything was going great? And that I, I was just preaching? And so when we get to the invitation hymn, we're singing the old rugged cross. I was going after it. I loved the old rugged cross. But I forgot to turn my microphone off. And that's the day that I made a commitment to the Lord that I was going to be a missionary in Antarctica. Sometimes we all think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, and, and from time to time, God has to straighten us out. Jesus did this a time or two, and, and the time I'm thinking about happened around a table. He was having a lunch with an important Pharisee, an important Pharisee. He was at his house, and he noticed that all the people around the table were fighting and arguing over who was going to have the best seat. And so Jesus says, you're thinking more highly of yourselves than you ought to. He said, it's best to sit at the end of the table and be asked by your host to move up than to sit at the front of the table and be asked by your host to move down. And then he addresses the Pharisee whose house they're all at. Remember, he's he's an important Pharisee. He's not just a Pharisee. All Pharisees are important in the Jewish culture. But Jesus specifically says he's an important Pharisee. And he addresses this important Pharisee and he says, look at the people you've invited to your party. You've only invited the rich people. You've only invited people that can do something for you. You're only inviting people that can scratch your back. He said, instead, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Now Jesus is preaching. You know what I mean by that? There's a difference between preaching and preaching. Jesus is preaching. Okay? And this is the part in the sermon when you're fired up and the audience gives you an amen! Do you know what an amen does for a preacher? That's like spinach for Popeye. You want to add five minutes to any sermon, say amen. I'm just kidding. You can still say amen. You guys are all about to keep your mouth closed for the rest of 2018. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that Jesus was preaching. Are you ready for his amen moments? Jesus says, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you 
for inviting those who could not repay you. Here's the amen moment. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it'll be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Amen, brother. That's what he said. And after Jesus eats his spinach, he tells a parable. He says, a man prepared a great feast and he sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Let's talk invitations. We're going to stop here for just a second. We're going to talk invitations. In the Jewish culture, it was custom that a man would send out invitations well in advance, uh, about a month in advance, and the people would respond. They would RSVP. They would RSVP. And then at the day of the banquet, the man, the, the one who is throwing the banquet, would send out a servant and say, hey, you, you RSVP'd for the banquet. Today's the day. And so that's the context we're looking at here. But they all began making excuses. They all began making excuses. Now we got to stop here again for a second. We talked about invitations. I like a little bit of audience participation, so I'm going to ask you to, to interact with me here just a little bit. Have you ever worked hard on something before? Go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever worked hard on something before. That's good. That's good. You ever worked hard on something for someone else before? That's good. That's good. That's good. I have. There was just one time uh, Leah was gone for a few days, and I missed her. I'm kind of a softie. I adore my wife. And so as she was going to be back that evening around dinner time, I decided... I'm going to make her dinner. I'm going to make her her favorite dinner. So I hopped onto Pinterest and I found the recipe. Don't judge me. You've done it too. Okay? So I hopped onto Pinterest. I found the recipe. It was chicken pesto pasta with roasted Brussels sprouts and a Caesar salad. Anybody else hungry? So I go to the store and I buy all these ingredients and I, I come home and I start cooking. Just like with preaching, there's a difference between cooking and cooking. I was cooking. Okay, and so the house is smelling good. The house smelled great. The house smelled fantastic. She loves that meal. I love that meal. Uh, and so I'm cooking and I'm slaving away in the kitchen, and and everything is going great. And it starts getting a little closer when she's going to come home. And I I put on some some soft music and I've lit the candles and everything is just fantastic. And I am in the process of plating. Now, you guys watch the cooking shows. You either enjoy them or you watch them with your wife and you enjoy them because you watch them with your wife. But you know what plating means, right? You, you are making the dish look good. It's not enough to just serve good food. You've got to make it look You've got to put that little piece of parsley on the corner of the plate and the sauce has got to make that little line through it, okay? The salad's got to be right and the, and the Brussels sprouts are in the right spot on the tray. They're kind of balanced on each other. I was plating. And as I'm plating, with the soft music on and the candles lit, my beautiful wife walks in with a bag from Wendy's. <laughs> I made that for you. You ever worked hard on something for somebody and uh, it just didn't quite work out? When Leah and I were in Arkansas, we, we uh, planned VBS one year, and it was interesting because there wasn't a lot of people to help with VBS, and so we worked, we worked really hard. It wasn't just planning the lessons and, and figuring out the, the flow of how the kids would go through the building of the different stations. It was doing the decorations and the designs and making the snacks look like little space themes, and, you know, and, and we worked really hard on VBS. You know what happened though? 
There was a massive heat wave, and the, the lowest temperature day of VBS was 102 degrees, and almost nobody came. <laughs> I didn't want to go. <laughs> it's 102 degrees outside. You can die on your way to your car. Right? Get your shoes stuck to the pavement. But nobody came, and we worked so hard. Ugh, you work hard on something, people didn't appreciate it. Why does it bother you so much? Is it because you worked hard on it? That's not it. Sure, you worked hard on it, but that's not what bothers you. It's because you know what could have been. You know what could have been. You do something profound for people. Who do you do that for? Somebody you care about. Hey, I, I like Rick Hamer. He's gone for three days. I'm not going to make him my favorite meal. I'm not going to make him his favorite meal when he comes home and have it by candlelight. I like you and all. I'm going to do that for my wife because I love her dearly. You do something for somebody that you care about, and when it misses, you're sad. Not because of the effort that you put in, but because someone you care about didn't get to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Well, that's what's going on here. This man has prepared a great feast. He plans the menu. He's tasted different wines to see which one goes the best with the meal. He's hired the right live band to play. He set a guest list. He sent invitations. And he sat patiently while his wife figured out the decorations. Is this the right color napkin? Is this the right color? I don't care. Just pick one. Right? They got the right cutlery. He has put a lot of work into this feast. He's put a lot of work into this feast and he's put a lot of money into this feast. He's prepared. And here's the thing about preparation. Preparation requires forethought. Preparation requires forethought. You can't prepare a feast at the last minute. You can't throw a feast together at the last minute. Preparing a table means effort. Preparing a table means planning. Preparing a table means concern. Let me just run through those one more time for you. Ready? Ready? Preparing a table means effort. Preparing a table means planning. Preparing a table means concern. And that's exactly how God feels about you. God is saying you are worth the effort. You're worth the planning. You're worth the concern. In fact, God's been preparing His feast for a long time now. He's preparing His feast for a long time. You ever heard the verse about God's feast preparations? You ever heard that one before? It goes like this. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have a seat at the table. God's been preparing His feast for a long time. For a long time. He's put a lot of hard work into it. And instead of joyful gratitude, this man who's worked hard on preparing a feast is met with excuses. He's met with excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I've got to expect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I got to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married. I can't come. Let's talk excuses. Interact with me here just a little bit. What do you think of these excuses? Are they good excuses? Are they bad excuses? Or are they dog ate my homework excuses? What do you think? 
I mean, who thinks they're good excuses? <coughs> who thinks they're bad excuses? Who thinks they're dog ate my homework excuses? You know what I think? I think they're pretty good excuses. I think those are really pretty valid reasons. They're not bad at all. Jonathan Smith, you're getting married this summer. I, uh, how do you guys feel about missing your honeymoon to come to somebody's dinner party? Not so much, right? That's a hard sell. <laughs> Somebody, why don't you try convincing him it's a good idea? But listen to this. There's always going to be a good reason to avoid the right thing. There's always a good reason to avoid the right thing. I've got to examine my new field. I need to finish a work project tonight. I just bought 10 oxen. I've got to make sure they all work, right? We're taking delivery of a new combine today. I want to be there. We're closing on my new house. It's my honeymoon. These aren't bad excuses, but they are excuses. They're not bad excuses, but they are excuses. Do you know what real acceptance is made of? Real acceptance is made of knowing that it will be worth it, whatever it costs. It will be worth it, whatever it costs. I need to inspect my field. This feast is worth skipping that. I've got to break in my new oxen. This, worth, this feast is worth skipping that. I just got married. Well, Jesus says a few verses later that if you want to be my disciple, it's more important than your mom, your dad, your wife, yes, even your own life. Jonathan, don't skip your honeymoon, okay? This is just a sermon, okay? okay? That sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot, but whatever it costs you, it will be worth it. These aren't bad excuses, but here's the rub. No excuse is good enough to justify ignoring God's invitation. No ex That's five minutes. No excuse is good enough to justify ignoring God's invitation. Got to check my field. Got to make sure my auction work. Got to finish my work project. Got to get the new combine. Got to go on my honeymoon. No excuse is good enough to justify ignoring God's invitation. One more thing before we move on. The excuses tell us a lot about who the man invited. He's invited a guy who just bought a field. He's invited a guy who just bought 10 oxen. He's invited a guy who just got married. Guess which one of those things is cheap? None of them. None of them are cheap. These are wealthy people. This man who's prepared a feast is inviting his social equals. No surprise there because Jewish custom said... And you're going to invite your equals. In fact, when you invited somebody to share your table, to sit at your table, what you're saying is, you're my equal because sharing a table says, you're my equal. Everything up to this point so far follows the script. The audience understands what's going on. Man throws a party, he invites his friends. He invites his friends. Why are they his friends? Because they hang out at the same places. They got the same amount of money. Everything up to this point so far follows the script. Here's where things get weird. Here's where things get weird. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious. And he said, go quickly into the streets and alleys and the towns and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Things just got a little weird in Jesus' world. Instead of inviting more of His pals, instead of going back to where all of their friends hang out, Jesus says, stop calling the country club. 
and go to the nursing homes, soup kitchens, homeless shelters, and government housing and invite them to my feast. And as Jesus says this, all the conversation around the table at the Pharisee's house dies. And they listen in. Because the Pharisees and the important religious and cultural elite that are sitting around the Pharisee's table know that sharing a table means you're my equal. Is Jesus really saying that all those people are our equals? As the audience sits in son's silence, Jesus doubles down. He says, after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room. There's still room for more. So the master said, go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. Go to the truck stops, the ghettos, the rehab clinics, and the refugee shelters and bring them to my party. But sharing a table... But sharing a table says you're my equal. You want to invite, you invite them? This, I don't know. This wealthy man with all the right friends is inviting all the wrong people. He's inviting all the wrong people because he's learned something. If you already think of yourself as equal, you don't have to go. If you already think of yourself as equal, you don't have to go. You can come up with any reason and it's worthwhile. I've got to check on my cows. got to close a business deal. I'm going to Branson for the week. We've got a ball tournament. I've got a big day tomorrow. I'm a little under the weather. My in-laws are in town. The West Wing's on Netflix now. I'm just a little tired today. If you already think of yourself as equal, you don't have to go. But if you don't think you deserve it, you wouldn't miss it for the world. You see the difference there? If you don't think you deserve it, you wouldn't miss it for the world. The woman at the well, she learned who Jesus was and what did she say? She went into town and she said, come, see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And then the the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with oil, she found out who Jesus was. What does she start doing? She pours expensive oil on His feet and crying on Him and wiping her tears with her hair. And what about the Apostle Paul? What did he say? He said, this is a trustworthy statement, deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of all the sinners. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe and receive eternal life. If you don't think you deserve it, you wouldn't miss it for the world. And that's what Jesus is saying here. As we focus on the conclusion of this parable, we learn something surprising. When we first read this parable, we think it's just a a, a spatial issue. Three people said they couldn't come, so there's three seats available. Call the country club, invite three more people, problem solved, let's have the dinner. What are we still talking about? But that's not what's going on here. The man says, go invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Then go to the outskirts of town and grab anybody you can find. It's not an issue of who can fit around the table. We find that there's a lot of room in this man's house. There's a lot of room at this man's table for his equals. Whoever they are, wherever they're from. 
as Jesus sits at the table in the home of a prominent Pharisee with a wealthy elite, his point is simple. Everybody is good enough for God's table. Everybody is good enough for God's table. God said, everyone is worth my effort. Everyone is worth my planning. Everyone is worth my concern. Here's how Jesus said it elsewhere. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. I wouldn't have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you so that you will be with me where I am. There's plenty of room in our Father's house. There's plenty of room around our Father's table and everybody's good enough for God's table. But everybody, everybody has to decide if they see the value in sitting at God's table. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even though we're not good enough to sit at your table, we're not good enough to even be in your presence, we're thankful that because of Jesus, you allow us into your presence. You rejoice that we come into your presence. And so God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your great love that was shown for us. We thank you that you continue to show your great love for us in your Holy Spirit. So as we approach 2018, God, would you please give us the wisdom to understand and recognize that there are good reasons to not do the right thing. Would you please give us wisdom and compassion to recognize that everybody's good enough for God's table, even though none of us are. God, would you please help us to fill your table in this small corner of the world. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.